Thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. This podcast contains adult themes, adult language, adult subjects, including alcohol, sex, and solipsistic existential nihilism. We ask if you are drinking along with us to please drink and listen responsibly. Hey, look at that. It says it's recording. Is it recording? Go on. Okay, literary brief. Okay, this is literary briefs episode. My name's Erica Lance. And I'm Valerie Willis. And do you think you can get the guest name right this time? I'm with John Hartness for his literary briefs. Okay. Okay. And I. I don't wear briefs, so can I actually be on this podcast? Um, this will be the literary boxer, boxer briefs. Boxer literary briefs. boxer briefs episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am wearing pants. Well, you're one step ahead of the rest of us, so I'm. Well, just, they're pajama <laughs> pants. Yeah, so that, only half a step ahead. How about yoga pants? Does that count? Um, you're, okay. a white, you're a white girl. That's part of the uniform. You know, that's true. That's true. I should. Well, let me get a truly out of the fridge. Um, no, so, I don't have a truly in the fridge. I'm totally joking. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. I don't have a lot left, but I am drinking gin with pomegranate and lime. And um, mm-hmm. you've got me messed up on rum and coke. Yes. <laughs> I'm still on my first angry orchard, but uh, I plan to watch Bosch and pound cider for the rest of the night. So I hope so, because you're supposed to drink and know things. I was expecting a lot more of the drinking. So when I see you at Dragon Con and we see Jonathan Mayberry after we give him uh, whiskey, the whiskey with him. you all in. Everyone <laughs> John, John's got a good deal going Wait. on. How many people owe him whiskey? I don't know. We'll find out from Dragon Con. Which <laughs> it's be- funny because drinking is part of my brand. And I tell young authors all the time, you've got to be in the bar because business gets done in the bar. And they're like, how do you do business when you're drunk? I said, I never said you had to get drunk. I usually have two beers a night. You just have to be in the bar. Yeah, you got to be in the room where it happens. Oh my god! You know, ginger ale looks just like a gin and tonic or whatever. You know. Oh yeah, no, you can just have a coke and make it look like a rum and coke, but nobody knows. Yeah. Plus, nobody cares. Mm-mm. Not unless you're sloppy drunk. Oh, you yeah. got me looking at me. Not unless you're Val sloppy. <laughs> I only drink on the. Oh, I know that makes this worse. It does make yeah, it worse. The problem okay. is that you do a podcast every day. <laughs> I don't. We don't. <laughs> I would not make it every day if we no, did that. I don't, I don't have a drinking problem. You have a podcasting problem. Broadcast a podcast. You said broad. You know what? Stop talking. I ask my rapid fire questions now. You are really why we can't have nice things most of the time. My tongue has betrayed me. <laughs> Your tongue has betrayed you. You should put that in a book. Okay. Yeah, that's my that's a story of my college years. <laughs> like on so many levels. Okay. Uh-huh. So, rapid fire question. <laughs> sure. I did theater. I know what theater is like. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was not a cast party until somebody got naked in the living room. Yes. Oh, my God. So here's the thing about our delicate little Val, who writes smut, by the way. Oh, no. She writes erotica novels under a different name. Oh, are you going to make me tell them what the name is? No, I think you should tell them the name of your first book. 
sleeping with Sasquatch. I think I've seen that. Oh, that makes me feel good. <laughs> well, remember, I write Bubba the Monster Hunter. Right. There's a scene in season two of Bubba the Monster Hunter that is legendarily known as Squatch Dong. Because Bubba enters into hand-to-hand <laughs> combat with a Sasquatch, and Bigfoot don't wear pants. <laughs> There's the first chapter. Okay, so there's shifters. And so is this the chapter? Urban Legends Erotica Collection book That's one? That's her. Yes. Then, yes, you have to tell people your pseudonym because Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> yes, look at but look at this mess she turns into. <laughs> it wasn't taken. I even checked Pornhub. Oh my <laughs> god, cuddling with Chupacabra. Naked with the New Jersey <laughs> Devil. Laying with the lady in white. No, the laying with the blue. blue. And then the next one coming out is wanton, wanton woman in white. And then beating it with Bloody Mary. <laughs> we have fun making these titles up. By the way, if you ever need title help, I'm pretty brilliant at titles. She's very You're like Chick Tingle. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so true. <laughs> That's great. There's a, there's a dialogue in the first chapter of Sasquatch where he, he's like, come on, buddy. You got, no one likes to see Bigfoot and a white beater in cargo shorts. Yeah, no, you're right. That's right. It's a trick. So. so there you go. And she's bright red, so that's awesome. Okay. Rapid fire question number one. <laughs> this is your fire. Okay, is um, what is your favorite book of all time? The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy. Oh, why? It. The protagonist of The Prince of Tides felt a lot like who I was in a lot of ways. Um, as a young as a young person, I read that book in high school, and I a lot of the way that that Tom Wingo is the protagonist, and the, a lot of the way he grew up as a bookish a bookish Southern guy from South Carolina who felt like he didn't fit in because he was a little too sensitive. He was a little too lost in words. Um, It rang true with me on a lot of levels. Um, Pat Conroy is my favorite author of all time. And people always look at me funny when I say that, because obviously he's not a genre fiction guy, they expect me to say Tolkien or Bradbury or Asimov. And I'm like, nah, nah, give me a good old-fashioned redneck. So, yeah, The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy. Awesome. Okay. Same breath. What is your least favorite book of all time? I have no idea because I don't finish anything I don't like. Yeah, I'm not alone with this. I didn't think, why are you telling me that? You know, Life is too short to read shitty books. That's why you get the Amazon sample. That's true. True. I don't have to pay for the first 10%. And if I'm not hooked in that, I'm not going to read the book. Although the Scarlet Letter sucked donkey dick. Nathaniel Hawthorne can just fuck himself right off. (laughs) (laughs) That should be a quote for this episode. (laughs) Nathaniel Hawthorne can fuck himself right on. That's it. That's a new business. That's what's happening there. Oh, man. 
Is that because, was that something you had to read in school? We were talking yeah. about this recently because it's now changed. Where mo- they, there's not a required reading list anymore in schools, really. Then how do you discuss the books if you don't all read the same book? Because they make them do book reports on, and I say this only because my children are in their early 20s, but like my daughter was able to read Twilight as her um, book in high school, one of the book report books. I mean, I'm fine with that for a book report book, but, you know, for an English class, you need to read specific books to get specific things. Like, you read Twelfth Night in uh, Senior English in South Carolina, or AP English, so that you can get Shakespeare's comic tropes. You, If you all just randomly read a Shakespeare play or a Elizabethan piece of theater, you're not all going to be able to talk about mistaken identity and hidden dick jokes. Because yeah, Shakespeare's full of hidden dick jokes. Exactly. But I'll tell you, my kids didn't have required reading. It's no, not a big of a thing. It's it's really... Welcome to Florida, though. Um, but we're... Hell talking, no. <laughs> yeah, no, just so you know, we're in a race. We're trying to win the race right now. Go <laughs> We're number one. <laughs> Hey, we gave y'all a we gave y'all a present earlier this year. I'm from North Carolina. We gave you the Republican National Convention. Yeah, oh. thanks for that so much. Now I work in HR as my current day job right now because even though we started our public and we're we're not quite there of the the paying the roof over the head yet, <laughs> um, but we're getting there. We're getting gotcha. there. And um, but I do HR and I have a thousand person company I'm in, in charge of all the HR for. And it's interesting to me because like I made the rule, I sent everybody to work from home. I'm like, you're all working from home. Like this is just ridiculous. You're all staying there. And the amount of people that are like, can we come back in the office? And I'm like, no, no, you can't because I'm no, you can't practice social distancing. Nobody wears a mask down here. Cause everybody <laughs> thinks like you are taking away my enable God given right to get sick Corona and die. Okay. Yeah, fine. You can you can have whatever unalienable God given right you want. Stay the fuck away from me, you moron. Exactly. No, it's. I feel like a you know we're the freak show state. But I was going to ask because there was required reading. One of my favorite books was *To Kill a Mockingbird*. That was required yeah. reading. What were um, some of your favorite books in that were required? Well, To Kill a Mockingbird, the odd one that I loved that most people hate was Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. I loved that book. Um, It's the book that Apocalypse Now was based off of. Oh. Yeah. I know. I was sitting there. I'm like, I I missed that one because we were talking about that weird rose one with the the woman who slipped by the dead body. (laughs) That one mortified me. Yeah, I don't have that one. I didn't um, have either. I don't, it's a short story that they made me because I got to pick if the teacher accepted it. I got to pick what book I was doing for the book report part when I went to school, and I wanted to do Gaijin by James Clavell. And she's like, "You're not old enough to be reading this." And I said, "But you just had us write read a short story about a woman." sleeping in bed for years with her husband's decaying body and that was okay? And she's like, Yeah, that's nasty. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard for me to remember because I read so voraciously. I don't remember what was assigned and what I just read. Um, But I remember Heart of Darkness being assigned and I really liked it and most of the rest of my class hated it. You, um, 
still voraciously read like that? I read a lot, yeah. I think it's critical for a writer to read and to read in your genre. I agree. You have to know what the tropes are. Totally. Right. Agree a thousand percent. What do you read outside your genre? I read a lot of thrillers. I read a lot of serial killer books. Uh, Lee Preston and Lincoln Child. Another state. I feel like we're... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that. I feel like this is my brother. I'm going to (laughs) move. Come on. House right around the corner from me is for sale. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) I got a big backyard. We can hang. Uh, I read a lot of I read a lot of serial killer novels. Um, I re- I really loved Vince Flynn's military thrillers until he died. Um, I don't like the I don't like the style of the stuff that has come after him. I usually loved about two thirds of all the Tom Clancy books. He typically had one plot thread that I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, can we just not? Uh, but yeah, that's what are your most pet peeves? What are your, when you're reading a book, what are the things that get you to just chuck it or delete it? I mean, boring, we are boring so. ass sentence structure, boring sentence structure. If it's all simple declarative sentences, you can do that for emphasis, obviously. But if the first half dozen paragraphs are da, 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 period, da, 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 period, da, 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 period. I'm like, oh, you bore me. Go away. Put some fucking poetry in your work. <laughs> Do you get asked to read a lot of people's work? Do people reach out to you asking you to read their work? Less now that I run a press because um, I get asked a couple of times a year to blurb a book from a friend of mine. And I almost always say yes if I have the time to do it. Um, but I've been very clear most of the time when people say, hey, can you take a look at this, that I'll only read unpublished work if it's by an author who's already under contract or if it's a book that's on submission. Because I don't want to deal with bullshit about somebody coming back five years later and saying I stole their shit. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot of it is to cover my ass, but a lot of it also is just to cut down on the volume. Do you ever end up having a friend ask you to read a book that you read it and you're like, um, don't like this at all. <laughs> yeah, it's happened. Do you, are you honest with them about it or what do you do? Well, I just, if it's, if I don't like it at all, I probably don't finish it. And then when they ask, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't my thing. I don't think I'm your target market. Uh, it, it didn't resonate with me, so I didn't finish it. Sorry. Oh, wow. I mean, if they're really my friend, then they'll get that. And if they're really a professional, they'll get that. But if they're not, then if they're not either of those things, then I don't need to deal with them again anyway. So then it's fine. That's true. true. What about um, reviews? So obviously you get reviews because people review. Yeah, apparently I do. Do you ever read them? Very rarely. I um, sometimes they're brought to my attention. Like somebody will say, hey, did you see this? And I'm like, no, I don't go out and look for them. I learned that doing theater, that that's that way just leads to heartbreak and madness. Um, like I when I released the latest bubble book, I was very gratified to find out a couple of weeks later that it had some reviews and they were all five stars. I was like, hey, that's nice. 
I still don't know what people said about the book. They bought it. So reviewing, do you review? I do not. Um, I don't think there is any upside for me as a, as a professional writer or a publisher. There is no benefit to me to ever review a book. If I review a book positively, then someone who knows about our connection is going to think, oh, well, they just did that. He just said that book was good because he's friends with them. And if I review it negatively, I could hurt someone's feelings or career. So I don't, I don't review at all. Now, that said, I did do a YouTube series earlier this year where I did something called five-minute book reviews. And I did about a dozen. And the only things I would review were books I loved. I I wouldn't review it if I didn't love it. And I'm pretty sure that I didn't review anything by anyone I knew. And most of the books I read were by people that were way bigger than me. Um, Douglas Preston doesn't give a single shit what I think about his book. (laughs) (laughs) Well... You know, for that question, what about fangirl moment? I call it a fangirl moment. But um, what is your best fan story? Like fans like approaching me being a fan? No. First fans oh. approaching you, and then I'm going to ask about you being a fan. All my fan interactions are are different and precious in, in their own way. Um, you know, some of my fans, I've had... Some of my fans have bought me dinner. I have a standing lunch date at Dragon Con with a pair of fans that I refer to as my Canadians. We go to lunch every year. Um, And that's just fantastic. It's a great friendship that has grown out of them being fans. Um, I had a fan design the T-shirt logo for Bubba the Monster Hunter. And I sent him a T-shirt in exchange for him doing the logo and him coming to a con wearing and us taking a picture of him wearing the t-shirt. That was pretty awesome. So all of them are great. Even just somebody coming up and saying at a signing and saying, Hey, I read this. This was really cool. I'm like, Hey, thanks. That's fantastic. Have you had a fan girl kind of moment though? Like I think, Uh, A couple of them have talked about people screaming their names or completely like going crazy in front of them. Have you had that? (laughs) You know, the kind of fangirl moment. I, um, I would like to think that the persona I put forth is, uh, one that lets people know that I'm just a dude. I'm not, I'm not anything. I'm not anything special. I'm just some fat guy who writes, who writes vampires and dick jokes for a living. Uh, <laughs> I want to be the writer people think they can have a beer with and then come up to me at Dragon Con and have a beer with me. Yes. <laughs> I think Absolutely. that's all. I'm putting down beer with you yeah. Yeah. as soon as you like, cider, poker game. like cider and poker. <laughs> the West, the lobby bar of the Weston. That's the writer's bar. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's what. So, we were and on because you, you were saying that you you go to the conventions a lot. You're a big convention goer. Oh yeah. So on that same note, like you were saying, what author or, or person you met at your conventions and going to these events that you fangirled, basically? Um, God, that's a list. 
<laughs> Getting Jim Butcher to autograph a book while sitting on a panel with Jim Butcher, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. That I was awesome. sitting next to Jim, and it, I still actually haven't gotten him to sign a book for me because that one was a friend of mine's. I got to remember that next time we're going to be at the same con because I have a bookcase that is autographed books by writer friends of mine. I'm gesturing over here like, A, we're not on an audio podcast, or B, you guys can see it in the camera yeah, I'm shot. But, letting it go. I was like, how much cider do you drink? Because <laughs> Yeah. No, I have a I have a whole bookcase, and it's got... It's got signed stuff from Mayberry. It's got signed stuff from Tim Zahn. It's got signed stuff from Chuck Wendig. Um, all my authors and dragons buddies. Um, Laura Ann Gilman. It's got a bunch of Scalzi, Ernie Klein, Dave Butler. It's got a lot of awesome people on it. The biggest fanboy moment for me was Mercedes Lackey. Oh, and being a Southern guy, there's a story because there's always a story because Southern men like to drink whiskey, fornicate and tell stories, not necessarily in that order. Thank you, Robert Penn Warren, um, <clears throat> who was a Southern man and a fantastic storyteller. The, fir- the first year I went back to Dragon Con, this was before I had a book deal. I had a couple of self-published books out. And I, um, I had met with Deb from Bellbridge Books, and we, had, we were dancing around whether or not they were going to pick up the series. So we were going to have a meeting, and I knew that was going to happen. But I was going to Dragon as a fan, and I took some books to have them signed. And one of the books I took was Magic's Pawn by Mercedes Lackey, which is one of my favorite books. It's one of those few times when you can look back at a specific book and see that it changed your worldview. Because I grew up in the rural South in the 70s and 80s. To say that my upbringing was narrow is to understate the meaning of the word narrow. Magic's Pawn and that trilogy was the first time I'd ever seen homosexual people presented as anything other than a joke or an abomination. And it completely changed my worldview. And obviously, I never would have had a successful career in theater had I continued to hold that homophobic bullshit idea in my head. So a big part of my life was positively influenced by this book series. And I saw that Misty was going to be at Dragon Con. So the only book I carried around with me all weekend was Magic's Pawn because I needed, I had two things on my list. I wanted to get a book deal and meet Mercedes Lackey. So you guys have done Dragon, you know the hotels. Yeah. I was standing outside Sway, which is the rest lobby bar at the Hyatt. And it was about it was about 12:30. I was it was time to eat lunch. I don't remember where my wife was. But I think she was going to a costuming panel or something. And I noticed this dude standing there leaning up against the wall right outside the hostess stand. I said, "Hey, are you in line?" 
He said, nah, I'm not going in there. It's too expensive. I'm just waiting on a friend. You can go ahead. And then I looked at his name tag, and it was Larry Dixon. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. And I said, oh, um, hi. This is weird. Maybe. Maybe it happens to you all the time. I don't know. Um, but I have a book in my bag that I really would love for you and Ms. Lackey to sign, if that's okay. And he said, oh, sure. And then he said, wait a minute. There's an unautographed Mercedes Lackey book floating around somewhere in the world. I said, well, honestly, there's a bookshelf full of them in Charlotte, but. <laughs> <laughs> you can come over. Yeah, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll bring more. So he gave me a little autographed book plate. And they said, so are you going to the Bain Roadshow? I said, no, I'm going to go in here and get something to eat. He said, oh, no, that's way too expensive. Come on, come with me. I was like, the hell? Am I getting kidnapped by Larry Dixon? I'm not terribly concerned about this because Larry's not a big man. I was going to say, you you seem a little more intimidating than the be evil, easily kidnapped type. Yeah, yeah. I'm about two Larry Dixons. <laughs> <laughs> so he pulls out his flip phone, because Larry, and he makes a call. And he says, hey, I, found, I met a friend. Bring some snacks. We'll meet you at the Bain thing. He says, come with me. Misty's bringing lunch. At the time, I don't know that Mercedes Lackey goes by Misty to a lot of people. So I have no idea who he's talking about. His other friend comes up, and we go downstairs. And I'm like, well, if you're bringing snacks, I'll buy us a couple of Cokes and some cups of ice. So then this middle-aged lady toddles up with this big canvas bag and hi, I'm Mercedes Lackey. And I was like, holy shit, you're Mercedes Lackey. <laughs> and we proceed to sit in the back of the room at the Bain Traveling Roadshow and turn chairs around at, in a circle in the last two rows and have a picnic as she pulls Lunchables out of this bag. And that was my first meeting of Mercedes Lackey and Larry Dixon was Misty brought me Lunchables and we ate it in the back of the Bain Roadshow. And then about two thirds the way through, she got up and she went and talked about her new releases and then came back and had more cheese and crackers. <laughs> wow. That um, is an epic story. I love, yeah. You know, I, I've been going to conventions and there's sometimes I host panels at conventions. I work with a local um, writers group called uh, um, Wordier Than Thou. And they are a local not-for-profit help writers community, that sort of thing. So we've done it. And it, it, it's it's very interesting to me because I think, like, I love how down-to-earth you are. And I think you, I, I think it's really important to be very down-to-earth and have moments like that where you can interact with people. And the accidentally, mar I've had the best experiences accidentally running into people at Dragon Con and oh, stuff yeah. like that. My friends think I have some weird superpower because we'll start talking about a person and then all of a sudden we'll be walking down the street or I'll walk into Starbucks and there they'll be. And I'll be like, Oh, you're blonde. They're like, how the fuck do you do that? Like, so, and I'll Dave, start to so David Coe did this to me at the bar at dragon con one day, one night. Uh, I'm sitting there and I'm talking with David and faith Hunter and we're, you know, we're just hanging out. Because we've done a lot of the same conventions together, and we're really good friends, and Faith and David have done a lot of good things for me in my career. And this guy walks up, and he's 
about Faith and David's age, a little few years older than me, and his name badge is flipped around, so I can't really tell who he is. I don't know. So I can't tell if he's guest, attending pro, fan. Just like, whatever. And David says, hey, John, this is my friend Rob. So I shake his hand, and we chit-chat a little. And then a few minutes later, he wanders off to talk to somebody else, and his name badge flips over. And he wanders off, and I was like, hey, David, yeah? If you're going to introduce me to Robert J. Sawyer, why don't you use his full name, you asshole? (laughs) (laughs) Two years later, Rob was knighted by Canada. He was given the the equivalent of the President's Freedom Medal or some kind of order of St. Hoopty for Canadian literary achievement. He's also a super nice guy. I've run into him a few times since then. That is awesome, though. No, it's, it's yeah, no, I those are the kind of moments I love where I'm sitting there and I'll just be talking, like, run into them, especially at, like, the Marriott and stuff like that. I'm oh, like yeah. talking and my friends are like, were you just talking to? And I'm like, they're human beings. They're not like something right. that comes out of a box. Because my friends used to fuss at me all the time because back in, in my high school years and stuff, I went to concerts every Friday and Saturday night. And I'd have pictures of me after hours outside in front of the Virgin Records store at Disney Springs of me with like Lacuna Coil and Three Days Grace. And I'm like, where... How'd that happen? And I'm because now they're like really big names, but right. back when I saw them, they weren't. And that's the cool thing is about going to those conventions because some of the authors you meet today could be the next J.K. Rowling in a matter of a, a year or a couple. Let's months. hope they're a little better than that. Yeah, no, I was wrong. Sorry, Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, we're not pissed at Steve this week. Yeah. yeah, she's she's under a lot of fire. Yeah, no, she needs to stay quiet uh, and talk yeah. about magic, and that's yeah. it. Okay, she needs to not talk about a damn thing. Just swim in your buckets of money, Scrooge McBitch. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, let's talk about your Sorry. podcast a little bit. Yeah. Oh sure, Valerie, you yeah. just did it again. I, I, we yeah. talked about this. So up. let's talk about your podcast a little bit. Uh, Authors and dragons. So yeah. I'm assuming you play Dungeons and Dragons. Is that what you're playing? We do. We're a group of six comedy fantasy authors playing D&D really badly. I love it. I love every moment of it. So um, obviously you, you said you edit out, the, edit out the parts where you're not doing things. So what? how long have you guys been doing this campaign? Five years. Oh, my yeah. goodness. We've accomplished, I think, one major quest goal in five years. We suck. Yeah, well, I was going to say, any good D&D campaign, as a, as a DM and a player, everybody goes left, and that's what happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, Drew Hayes is our DM, and he introduces himself as the captain of this shit ship. <laughs> and he's right. It's me, Drew Hayes, who writes Superpowers and Five Minute Sherlock, Rick Gualtieri, who writes The Tome of Bill, uh, Steve Weatherall, who writes The Doomsayer Journeys, Joseph Brassi, who wrote Skyfarer and Dragon Road, and um, Robert Bevan, who writes the Critical Failures series. I, oh my God. I, I, <laughs> I, love you. Wanna, I just had a fangirl moment. Oh my God, I love that series. 
so much. I love what he did oh, with well, the series. I'll hook y'all up. Please do, because I read that book, and I made my boyfriend's not an avid reader, and he got totally addicted because I always hate it when you read books that are about like D and D campaigns that everything's fucking perfect in the book. His book, it's it's. Have you read these books at all? No. Oh my god. I've never read a book with more poop jokes. Oh, I love the poop jokes <laughs> and the snot. And none of it, there is no decorum whatsoever. Like, oh, they, 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 it's about these guys who, based on this... Um, it's a portal yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. portal fantasy. And they're in the D&D world, and they don't quite get that, like, they're still acting like themselves from the other world in the D&D world. And it doesn't work like that. Like, them talking about having to memorize spells... I was peeing myself laughing because in normal D&D, you're like, blah, 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 spells, blah, blah, blah. They're having to sit and read the books to remember this. It's funny because Drew also writes a series of portal fantasy-ish books called the Spell Swords and Stealth. All, most people call them the NPCs series. And the different takes that they have created on that frame is really fun to watch and read. And then Drew and Rick and I all write nerdy vampires and they're all dramatically different. That is amazing. Sorry, I just had a little thing for a moment in the middle. Okay. That's so cute. (laughs) I'm not allowed to read Bevan's books in bed at night anymore because I laugh and scare the cat and wake up my wife. (laughs) there's that a, is a great sign. I think it's a great sign because there's not a lot of books in the world that you like. You can find it funny, but I love it when you actually like laugh out loud. Yeah, I can say the first book that I had that happen with was a Sharon McCrum book called um, "Bimbos of the Death Sun." Oh yeah, you have you ever read this? I no. no, you didn't. No, I no. Have you read <laughs> "Bimbos of the Death Sun"? No. So this book was written, a biz, you know, when we were younger. I'm going to say we were younger because we're not far off in age. I can already tell. Just by your stories. That and we're siblings, obviously, from other parents. But um, she wrote a book, and it's about this um, science professor who writes a book about sunspots and their effect on computers. And the publisher changes it into this novel and puts a fur-clad bikini person and calls it Bimbos of the Death Sun and tells him he's got to go to a convention, and this is before conventions were kind of cool, to sell this book. And it's a murder mystery there, but she, you could tell she's been to these conventions. Like, she had it nailed. And she, it was so funny. I'm sorry, I just went off. but it, That's a, it was, a great cover. Yeah. Well, the Bimbos <laughs> of the Death Sun. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Amazon right now. I just downloaded the sample. <laughs> yeah, I think you will love it because it, it really was like one of those speak to you kind of books. And I was laughing when I started reading it. And I realized, like, I, I stopped for a moment and I went, this is one of the first books I've ever, like, actually laughed out loud while reading a book because she nails the nerddom perfectly. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, but your pot. So how often do you guys play? We play every other week. It's we're. um. We're not just bi-coastal, we're intercontinental, because Steve lives in England. Uh-huh. And so we've got Jersey, Atlanta, Charlotte, Texas, Seattle, Corby, England. So 
getting us all together at the same time is challenging. So we play every two weeks and we release content every week, but in between we do side quests where we bitch about nerdy stuff. And that may or may not be all of us. Like for example, the guys uh, were recording this afternoon. I was playing Diablo (laughs) three. I love Diablo. There's a new season, and I haven't leveled this character up to 70 yet, so... Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I did. I did, and then redid it, and then redid it again. You feel like a failure as a... As a yeah, you are not player, I've never you played don't Diablo. Understand. I've I, never played Diablo. I don't. You're not on my podcast anymore. That's it. I'm gonna. But have you played Borderlands? My co-host on my podcast. Played Kingdom Hearts. My kids love it. It's because I, I have to. I have two little kids, and I have to be cautious because they're like ninjas. They sneak out of their cages and. <laughs> you're not supposed to say put your kids in cages on podcasts. That's strike two or four or ten. So you guys um, play all the time. How? What levels are your characters? Eight. In in five, five years? years, they're level eight. Yeah, I we told you we're bad. <laughs> we're we're not good. <laughs> How long have you played D and D? Um, this time five years. How long have you played D and D in your life? I can tell you, I was coloring the dice, so... Yeah, I started in 1985, and then I played in middle school and was roundly ridiculed for it. I played a little through high school, and I played in college and a little bit after college. But then, uh, I don't know, I probably stopped 96, 97 and got back into it. 20 years later when we started the podcast. Oh my gosh. Whose idea was it to do this? Cause you guys are all, you know, epic writers here. Um, I think it was Drew and Bob. I think it was Drew and Bevan who knew each other and were talking. And then I think Bevan knew Rick and Rick. And I think Rick knew Joe and me. And then we had a guy drop out, and Bevan knew Steve. And now I'm Steve's publisher. <laughs> that is epic. Well, just wow. um, pencil my name in if you have anybody drop out. Well, we'll talk, because we actually put on a convention now. Ooh. And we're going to be doing a digital element to that convention in about a month. So we'll talk. Please, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. This is. I'm, I, I still feel like a noob level when I play playing D and D. You should I'm, listen to the podcast. We've been at yeah. it for five years, and we're right. still not good. Right. True. What is your favorite character? I'm going to ask that question. Oh, well, Fandango the Fantastical, my char- my Authors and Dragons character. And he I, is gay. Huh? What is he? Mage, bard, what? Oh, he's a bard. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, I knew it was a bard. I was just trying to be nice. Oh, yeah, no, totally bard. He's a half elf elf and pansexual bard because he's a bard, so of course he's pansexual. Oh, my God, bards. Bards. Oh, bards. It's okay. I I just ruled a a character for uh, my friend is looking into the Pathfinder's uh, circus, all the circus content, and she's going to DM it, but I need... Um, a hobgoblin bard, 
who is a mammoth speaker because when you're a mammoth speaker, the, the mammoth gets expert level barding. And I'm like, I'm totally going to bust in here like Prince Ali. Hell yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're joking, right? And I said, we're in the circuit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Fandingo has, um, he has a guitar that shoots, he has an electric guitar that shoots daggers out of the back of it. Oh, that is, nice. that is epic. Which he never uses because at this point, I'm the primary spellcaster for our party. So with 5e, bards get College of Lore. Yeah, right. That means bards get Fireball. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Bards became suddenly useful. I feel like somebody that was on that particular committee writing those books loves bards and was like, I am tired of them being the idiots of the group. We are going to give them something powerful. Yeah. So now I'm a College of Lore bard with the Magic Initiate feat. So I have Firebolt, I have Acid Splash, I have Chromatic Orb, and I have Fireball. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm. Wreck some folks. I'll oh, some shit up. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours, and I want to do that because I blow up our barbarian all the time. I have no. I I loved original D anD D where you could parry the fireball with the mage, like just nice parrying the fireball with the mage, and they well, had York really bad rules. First edition had terrible rules. Advanced York stuff. is a path of the bear, so when he's raging, he only takes half damage from fire. So then if he makes a save, he takes quarter damage. Oh. And if he fumbles his save, you blow him up and he's toast. Well, I'm also the healer, so it's fine. It's fine. Oh, That's my God. You are like the most epic part I've ever met in my life. That's right. It's his favorite character. Yeah. He can do everything. And play music. Yeah. Do you Our play music? Me personally? Oh, hell no. No, I meant your bard. When oh, yeah. He's a rocker. You can find out more about him in the uh, True Confessions of Fandingo the Fantastical, which is available now on Amazon.com. It's co-written by myself and E.M. Kaplan, which that means that E.M. Kaplan wrote a book and I told her which things that didn't work with my backstory for the character. And then I made like three changes to the text. That's how co-writing works, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Throw your name on that. Throw your name on that. I co-write with you all the time, Val. You need to add my name uh, to your books. To the Honey Cummings ones? Or the- you know I don't care about that. I write erotica, too, under a different pen name. You know, I'm like, oh. I made her go to FetishCon last year. Oh, that was, that was, you tricked me. You said, hey, Val, do you want to be on panel? I'm like, I love panels. Yes. I'll hook you guys up with my friend who runs the literary track for Frolicon in Atlanta. Yes. Yes, please do. I don't know what that is. It's okay. We're going to go. It's fine. It's, it's, a, a it's a convention where they have to put down plastic on the floor for some of the panels. Well, that's, that's yes. what they did at the other one. Yeah. Okay. It, was a pony play, it was a pony play um, one next door that truly threw. She, she kept asking me, what are you doing with your head? Where are you looking? I said, well, Naturally, I would, if my eyes catch on the things that you should not see, I would drop them. But the problem here is when I drop them, I see more of that, and then I have to look up. She spent most of the panel doing this, looking up and away. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Anyway, okay, we need to wrap up this podcast because we've talked for hours, and we're done embarrassing Valfour right now. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Podcast. This has been amazing. I've been Erica Lance. And I've been Valerie Willis. 
I have been and will continue to be John Hartness. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye.